Last week I shared a message, and, and I'm sharing again today. My husband, uh, of course, he's had his knee. If you wonder why he moves a little slowly, he has a new knee. And uh, yesterday, we, yes, and he's going he's gonna to play tennis and everything. And uh, hallelujah. And uh, so yesterday, we went to the doctor this week, and he said to the doctor, now I can drive, right? And the doctor said, no, no, no. No, you can't drive because you can't move your leg enough. It's his right leg. And so yesterday, I come around the corner to my neighborhood. There he is, backing out of the garage in his car. <laughs> so I pull up, and my grandson Jack's with me, and I said, he's not supposed to be doing that. He said, well, he is, Grandma. I said, yes, I see that, Jack. So he, he puts the car in park and says to me, I was just going to sweep out the garage. Hallelujah. I wonder if I hadn't gotten around that corner where he would have been. Hallelujah. Everybody say, be ready. ready. We got to be ready for what God wants to do. And last week we talked about, um, basically, I, I had the message. It was called, will you accept this rose? You know, will you accept what God wants to do for you? And especially in the very heart of who you are, that there are things sometimes that hold us back from what God wants us to have. And most of the time, it's not what other people or situations cause. It's what we cause because we haven't let go of things in our own heart. And we talked about that. And, uh, and as I was preparing that message on the way here that day to share that message, um, I heard this, be ready to call an audible. And, uh, you know, sometimes I hear things that I know must be the Lord because I'm not even sure what all that means, you know, except I instantly thought of Peyton Manning. How many of you know who Peyton Manning is? He's on that team that didn't do so well in the Super Bowl. And uh, if you don't know, and he would, he's known as a quarterback who once everything is set at the line of scrimmage, if he sees that the defense has read what he's about to do, he calls an audible. Everybody say an audible. What he does is you'll see him, he just starts running back and forth across in back of his players and starts shouting all these numbers or whatever he's doing. And it causes everybody on the team to know we're going to do a different play. We are going to make a change. Everybody say, make a change. And it's called an audible because it happens just like that. Everybody on the team has to be ready to do what it is he's saying. And uh, in the first play of the Super Bowl, my husband was telling me, he did that. And not everybody must have known because it didn't work. And the other team got two points because they got a touchback. And so how many of you know, uh, everybody has to know. Turn your name and say, everybody has to know. And so what, what the Spirit of the Lord does is he makes everybody aware of what he's doing. It's a promise in the Word. He says, before I do a thing, I will tell you. I will show you what I'm going to do. And so uh, this week, uh, my husband had felt like he has a Word, and he was going to share it. And then he said, no, I feel like you need to share. And I hadn't said anything about this being a two-part message. But I believe this is the second part of what I shared last week. And so we're going to look at Nehemiah today. We're going to talk about what happens when someone in their heart, everybody say in their heart, recognizes that they've done wrong, that things have been done wrong, and repents, everybody say repents, which is where we left off last week, and then hears from God what they're supposed to be doing. And uh, what God has shown me very clearly for me, especially in this last year, when we have things in our heart that aren't right, we do not hear clearly until we take care of that. And so that's why the message last week, we have to take care of anything that's in our heart that's not right so we can absolutely know without a doubt 
everybody say, have confidence that we have heard from God. And there's a scripture in 1 John. It's in chapter 3, and we're going to put it up here. It says that we're looking at actually 20 and 21. If our heart condemns us, God is greater in our heart and knows all things. And then verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence. Everybody say confidence. Confidence toward God. And so in order to have confidence toward God, we got to get that heart cleaned out. And so that was last week. This week, we're going to talk about what happens when your heart is ready to receive what God wants to do. How many of you here are ready to receive what God wants to do with you? Now, I want to tell you, be careful when you raise your hand, because when you see Nehemiah, you will find out God will call you to do things that you had no clue you would do, and you have no clue how to do them. And so let's look at this. It says in Nehemiah chapter 1, well, actually, before we do this, everybody say, call an audible. I have a commercial that I saw on television, and I think it just really explains what call an audible means. And so I want them to play it real quick for you. You, you might have seen this. this. So good. Man, I can't believe we haven't done this before. Oh, wow, look at that. You're aging. Do the jingle. Do the jingle. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, guys. Uh, do it again. Do it again. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. In my office. State Farm. I yeah. think we're good. That's calling an audible, amen? <laughs> See, that's knowing the, 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 it actually says an audible is often called by the quarterback when he doesn't like the play call after getting a look at the defensive formation. I want to tell you, we're living in a day where the enemy, once he knows what God is going to do in your situation, he is going to get on the defense and he's going to do things that you're going to have to be able to call an audible. It isn't like, well, I saw how they did it. So we're going to do it this way. I know with Corey and Allie, they probably would have preferred to know where they were going today. So he, they could say, this is where we're going, but God isn't leading them like that. Now, some people would say, well, if they don't know, then maybe it's not God. That's a lie. Everybody say that's a lie. God does everything according to the people that he's speaking to. And he knows what they're called to do and the faith. Everybody say the faith. Everybody say the faith to be able to do it comes from the process before they step out. And so Nehemiah is in this position. He's heard that the walls are down in Jerusalem. And I want to just, some of this I'm just going to paraphrase. Other parts I'm going to read. But I want you to look with me at Nehemiah chapter 1. You can watch up on the screen if you don't have your Bible or your phone. The survivors who came and spoke to Nehemiah, who were left from the captivity in the province, are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. This is the report that Nehemiah heard and received from those who had been in Jerusalem. Now, these people have come back to Jerusalem. They've been in Babylon. Uh, Ezra has already done some work in Jerusalem with these people spiritually. But Nehemiah is called for a different purpose, but he still has a part in the plan that God has. So it was, Nehemiah said, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. 
first thing he does, he, he reminds God of who he is and what he has said. And it's in, it's in actually the scriptures when the temple was finished and Solomon finished it, his prayer to God right before that was, please let your ears and, and heart be attentive to the children that if they miss it and they return to you, everybody say return to you, that you will hear and rescue them. And so he's, he's, he's saying, remember your covenant. He's, he's reminding God of who he knows God is. And then he says, and by the way, we've all sinned. Everybody say repentance. See, when, if, if he hadn't have done that, then he would just try to get God to help him do something that he would never be capable of doing because there would have been sin that had to be taken care of. I can remember in times past at this altar where people have come forward and had terrible, terrible experiences in a church. And I have had God say to me, repent for what was done, even though you didn't do it. Repent because as a leader in the church, you can repent and help them get free so that they can go forward in their lives. Everybody say repent. And that's what he did. It says, and he goes on and says, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you've commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, everybody say return to me and keep my commandments and do them. Though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of heaven, of the heavens. Everybody say that's, that's when you've really missed it. (laughs) Say that. That's when you've really missed it. How many of you have ever really missed it? felt like you're scattered to those parts. Well, he says, even though yet I will gather them. That's what God said. Yet, And he's reminding God, yet I will gather them. I will gather them there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now, these are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to him, to Nehemiah, and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper. This day, I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, why would he say that? Because he's saying, I believe, I have no clue what to do. I am the king's cupbearer, but just fix this. And guess who God chooses to fix it? I couldn't remember when we were with Pastor Billy Joe, there'd be a meeting, and my husband used to say in the administrative meetings, he'd begin to tell us, you know, something, and somebody'd say, well, how about we do this? And you never wanted to say that to Pastor Billy Joe, because as soon as you said that, he would say, obviously, you have the revelation to do it. Go ahead. And it would be yours. That's who it would be. You know, so he, I know this, you know, he's, he's praying in, in my Bible, in the, in, in the commentary, this Maxwell leadership Bible, it said he went from being a cupbearer. That's the guy who chooses what wine to drink. That's, you know, that was his job and to taste it. And if it was poisoned, he got to die. That was his job and to be around for the king to hang out with. And, and so he's, he went from that to a building contractor. How many of you know God has a sense of humor? You know, I don't know what Corey thinks he's going to do, but God knows. I'm not saying you're going to build a building, but you might. I'm telling <laughs> At least that won't be your part, right? <laughs> You'll sing while he builds. Hallelujah. But, but I, everybody say we have to be ready to call an audible. 
What does that mean? That when God tells us to do something, that out our mouth, when he calls that play through the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, it says, now the Holy Spirit is the one who knows all truth. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will show you things to come, but everything that he shows you will come from me. Everybody say from the throne. From the throne, from the Father, through Jesus, the blood of Jesus, we're able to hear what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit speaks. Now, some of us, and and I've been there myself, where you hear it and you think, surely that could not be me. But Nehemiah, he had seen, everybody say seen. He had seen the destruction. His heart was touched. He had repented for whatever had happened and said, God, please, I'm paraphrasing now, show, show me what to do about this. He asked God, show me. So he goes to the king as usual, cause he's the cupbearer. And the king says to him in verse chapter two, therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? Since you are not sick, this is nothing but the sorrow of heart. You know, where we said that godly sorrow leads to repentance when there's a sorrow in the heart. Uh, sometimes it's because things just aren't the way they're really supposed to be, but God has an answer. Everybody say, God has an answer. And so it says, when he said that to Nehemiah, he became afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? And the king said to me, what do you request? This is the king asking his cupbearer, what do you want? What do you need? And he's prayed. It says, so I prayed. Everybody say, so he prayed. And he asked God. And I said to the king, if, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. How many of you think he had that idea when he said, God, please fix this? I don't think he had that idea. It was going to be him. But you know, God knows who he can trust he knows who will obey him. And those are really the criteria for doing what God has for you to do. Everybody say obedience and sacrifice combined. Uh, it's, it's, it's obedience when you do what God says. To trust God often is a sacrifice because you have no idea what's on the other side of what God's asking you to do. How many of you have ever been there? We experienced that when we moved here and started this church. And, uh, you know, we, we did what God told us to do. And there were two of us. And, and Lori was a senior in high school. And, and there were situations and circumstances which made it look impossible. Number one, we had debt. And you're never supposed to go start a church if you have debt. I mean, that's one of the rules. How many of you know God doesn't always look at it the way man looks at it? So we did what God told us to do. But I, I can appreciate what Nehemiah must have thought. Who, me? You're going to send me to build the walls of Jerusalem? I mean, I was telling you what's going on. But I wasn't exactly thinking my job description as cupbearer qualified me to be a building contractor. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Some of you right now are even thinking, oh, my. What is he going to ask me to do? Some people lose their job to get a much better one. They just don't know what it is until God moves them into that position. And so in the end, he ended up asking the king, and the king gave it to him for letters. It says, let letters be given to me for the 
place where he was going, the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to him according to the good end of my God, which was upon me. What he did was he asked for permission. He asked for permission, and he asked for provision. Everybody say, permission? And provision. And, and the king gave him all of it. It says that Artaxerxes appointed him the governor. Everybody say the governor. The governor of that, of that city. And he ended up being the one who rebuilt those walls. But not without a lot of opposition. Everybody say opposition. And it started immediately. Anytime God asks you to do something, then here comes the opposition immediately. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It also says he comes immediately to steal the word that God gives. And so he came to steal it. And the the two names of the players were Sanballat and Tobiah. But it says that they were so disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Everything that God calls you to do is for people. Everybody say for people. It's not for prestige. It's not for power. It's not so people can know who you are. It's about people. Everybody say people. And so what, what happened was these two people were arrogant, proud people that were resisting. They were resisting it because they didn't want them to help the people. Who would not want the people helped except the enemy himself? Who do you think wants to stop the church today from being who we're supposed to be in the hour of need? the enemy. That's who tries to stop the plan of God. So it, immediately that happened. Uh, we're, I'm going to paraphrase the next little bit because it, for time's sake, but what Nehemiah did was he went on into the city. He spied out the land for three days. He came back. He said to the people, we need to go and rebuild the walls. And the people ultimately said, yes, we'll go with you. We'll do it. And they, and they proceeded to, to do that. Um, immediately again, the Tobiah and Sanballat, the enemies came and began to mock them. Everybody say mock. Anytime you try to do anything that God asks you to do, especially something you don't know how to do. Everybody say, especially something I don't know how to do. The enemy will mock you. What does he say? You do not have the ability to do this. You poor, you know, person, you have no understanding. Well, Nehemiah could have said, you're right, I'm leaving. But he didn't because he... He prayed. Everybody say he prayed. That's what it says he did. He immediately prayed and said to God, they're making fun of us. They're mocking us. But what he told the Lord was, he said, oh, hear, oh, God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads. So he prayed that what they were doing would not affect them in, in their building, but would affect the ones that were harassing them. See, when the enemy mocks, he wants you to defend you, yourself. But If you call the audible, see, that's a defense that when you get up to the line, you look and say, "Uh uh-oh, this is what's happening. You call an audible means you call something to defeat what the enemy's trying to do, not to be defeated by what the enemy's trying to do. So what you say at that point is critical to what happens. And he said the right thing. And he went on to say, you know, let let their sin be on, on them and not on us. And it says they were able to build again. But then they came back again. And this time they threatened. Everybody say threatened. The enemy mocks. And then when that doesn't work, he threatens. 
and he began to threaten. And, and ultimately, he threatened them to the place where the people started getting afraid. Not Nehemiah, but the people became afraid. And so uh, Nehemiah said to him, uh, we don't have to be afraid. God, everybody say God, basically is on our side. We're doing this for God. But what we do have to do, everybody say what we do have to do is fight. Everybody say fight. We fight the good fight of faith. So he put a weapon in one hand and let him build with the other. But they continued to build. They continued to build. And then the next thing that happened to them was they, the enemy, you know, was still harassing them. But in, the, in themselves, within, within, you know, we have an enemy without and we have an enemy within. <laughs> and the enemy within, they begin to argue because people were having to help people. And, and they ended up charging taxes on their brothers. And it, 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 Nehemiah had to settle that whole mess. The enemy will never give up trying to destroy the plan of God for your life. I don't, I, it doesn't matter how long you fight it. We've been here 25 years and the enemy has never stopped. The, the key is that you as a quarterback in your home, over your children, wherever it is, when you look, you not only know what you're going to do, you know what the enemy is going to do. And when you know what the enemy is going to do, you pick an offense that will confuse the enemy and defeat what he's trying to do. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. It says Nehemiah's generosity. Everybody say generosity. He wouldn't do anything that another leader did. He laid down his life right there at that place for those people. And it called all those people into a position where they would follow him and stay building what God called them to build. Amen. So when the enemy threatens, there's things to do, but we've got to, we've got to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. Call the audible. Everybody say, call the audible, call the play, not, not what you see, not become fearful, not try to still do the play when you know you're going to get creamed. When you know in football, I mean, if you stay with that play, they've already read it. They are going to, you're not going to get further ahead. Everybody say, I'm on the offense not on the defense. And Nehemiah knew who he was and he knew his assignment. You know, in the first service, and I think in this one, Corey said, we don't know exactly what we're doing, but there's an assignment. Everybody say assignment. See, now that gives God liberty to work with Corey. And I do believe it is God that told Corey that. Uh, You don't need to give God a list all the time. Sometimes you just have to say yes, whatever. You know, it is like the military, like my husband said. Sometimes they don't give you a choice. Uh, You know, when they call you, I heard Jerry Seville said when he enlisted and he went to get off the truck, he said they were saying all these words and I wasn't any of those, so I didn't get off. How many of you know you still got to get off? I mean, they weren't, They, you know, the words were were swear words. And he said, none of those applied to me. I mean, I knew I wasn't any of those things they were calling us, so I just stayed on the truck. How maybe that wouldn't go well? No, an order is an order. And, you know, so in this situation, God is giving orders. He is giving orders. And we don't get to get to be and make it be the way we'd like it to be. We have to do exactly what God's saying. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, I'm not a fraidy cat, but, but I can be uh, threatened. Uh, I, I have been threatened in situations. And, and sometimes... Uh, if I get my feelings hurt, I just stop. How, how many, maybe you're not like that. Maybe you don't do that. Some people, when they get their feelings hurt, just get mad and start carrying on. But, you know, it just depends on how God wired you. But, but at any rate, it doesn't matter. I stopped. Everybody say stopped. And when I stopped, 
The enemy, when you stop, begins to come in and take over in your thoughts, and he will confirm it. How many of you know the enemy does confirm? (laughs) Just like God confirms his word, the devil confirms his word. And there is a point where you have to say, whatever I have to do, everybody say, whatever I have to do. And it most likely will be die to self. Turn to your and say, oh my, oh my. It's when you say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I had the Lord say to me just recently, and I didn't share this in the first service, I was in the park. And I said, Lord, you just got to show me. And he, and he gave me the Garden of Gethsemane. I thought, let's try another verse. <laughs> Could we go to another verse? I don't want that one. How many of you know? <laughs> I didn't want that one. But, but what he was saying to me, nevertheless. Everybody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless. There comes a point where it has to be nevertheless. If they're going with me, they're going with me. If they're not, they're not. You know, if they believe me, they believe me. And if they don't, they don't. But what God showed me was, if you want big things, you have to release big faith. And if you can let any man, which is usually motivated by the enemy, because man is not our problem. But if you can let that stop what God's telling you to do, then you're going to be dominated. You're going to be in a place of no freedom. And you will never be free until you shake that off and say, Whatever you say, God, that's what Jesus had to do. And that's what the Lord said to me. He said it three times, and that's where you are. Your will be done. Everybody say, your will be done. And so I say that to all of you today. I believe God has given a word to the church, not just this church. I believe it's all over. That, that, that you know, we've enjoyed great blessings, and God is about to move in a mighty way. But there is going to be gross darkness, and there are going to be things where we're going to look and we're going to see what's on the line the defense, what the enemy's doing, and we'll either become fearful and we will fall or we will become discerning and we will hear the Holy Spirit and we'll become powerful. Joyce Meyer used to say, you can be pitiful or powerful. Take your choice. I want to be powerful. How about you? I've been pitiful lots of times and it's not pretty. Ask my sister. When I'm pitiful, I go to her. But you know, Chris, she just laughs. It just drives you crazy. And Pastor Bill preaches to me, so I have nowhere to be pitiful anymore. I've lost all my places to be pitiful. But it's not a season to be pitiful. It's a season to be powerful and know who said. What did God say? If God said it, you can do it. Amen? Good to have you here today. God knows where you are. He picks you where he needs you to be, and he causes you to hear what you need to hear. And so um, I believe that Nehemiah got it. The last threat was deception. Everybody say deception. You know, the enemy came, and, uh, and first they said, we, we, why don't you come down from there and let's just talk? How many of you know the enemy can pretend to be your friend and he's not? Have you ever had that happen? You know, and, and when he does that, he has one motive, and that's to distract you from the truth and seduce you through, you know, like, you're so important. You're, you're, you know, I just need to talk to you. Come on down here. Let's be friends. And that's what, that's what they did. That's what the enemy did in this part of uh, chapter 6 of Nehemiah. It says, now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Gresham, and the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall. Everybody say it was already done. But they hadn't given up. They weren't giving up. And it says that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors of the gate, that Sanballat and Gresham sent to me saying, come, let's meet together among the villages and the plains. 
but they thought to do me harm. So I sent a messenger to them saying, I'm doing a great work. Everybody say a great work. A great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? I had an experience a little bit like that this week. I, I, was, uh, I, 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 wanted, I wanted to go to my friend's birthday party. And uh, she's 90. She's in Tulsa. It's Pastor Billy Joe's mom. And, uh, and Deborah, we were going to go. And that's my friend Deborah on the front row there. She came and helped us start the church with Bonnie Beadle and uh, Peggy Litke. Give her a hand. It was, it was a hard assignment. <laughs> it was Pastor Bill and his four women friends, you know. Oh, God. I think, I think we had more fun than he did. <laughs> but well, we had a good time. But he still puts up with us. Anyway, so we were going to go. And then we had talked about it. But I just couldn't get a release to go. And then um, my husband said to me on Friday when we were coming back from his workout, I told him that I had had this opportunity to go. And my husband said to me, well, why aren't you going? I said, because have you looked at yourself? <laughs> you need me. And he said, no, I'll be fine. And, and then I, I told him I just didn't feel a release to go. He said, well, he, and, and he was just trying to help me be free to go if I wanted to go. And, uh, and so I called Deborah and I said, okay, Bill says it's fine. Go ahead and see if we can get the tickets. So she waited to talk to her husband. Long story short, Saturday morning, she, she texted me and said, I can go. We're ready. We can go. I'll get the tickets. And instantly it was like, <clears throat> and so I texted her. I said, Deborah, I don't think I'm supposed to do this. And she texted back and said, I don't think so either. And so we canceled the tickets. We didn't cancel tickets, did we? We never got them. Thank you, Jesus. Because she's pretty fast on the trigger, if you say to Deborah. <laughs> but I texted right back because I thought, it was just like, don't do it. And you know what I heard? You're doing a great work and don't come down. Well, I was getting this message ready. I thought, oh, the heck, that's in the Bible. I better not do it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? See, God uses his word to call an audible by the Holy Spirit of God. Everybody say, by the Holy Spirit. And this word divides between flesh, it says, and the soulish realm and the spirit, basically. And it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. My flesh really wanted to go party. Our friends are going to have a big party Tuesday night. Now, we don't get to be there. But we get to be here. And what do you suppose God might do? What if we'd have left our position? Everybody say, don't leave your position. No matter what it is, it is not the hour to throw in the towel and say, sure, I'll come down. No, it's not time to come down from that place. And then the last thing, it says, so um, I sent the message, but they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Then they kept trying to get him to come. Then Sam Ballot sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter, and it said, uh, it is reported among the nations that you and the Jews plan to rebel. So here we go again, one more time. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the walls that you may be their king. And you've also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king, the king who sent him, the king who appointed him. Now come, therefore, and let us consult together. Everybody say another threat. But this time the threat's to the person who assigned him to do it. How many of you have ever had somebody say, I don't believe God told you that? Or, 
you know, I had a lady say once, you know, you're not going to go to heaven because you won't give me that money for, for benevolence because you're not a Christian. I, God sees that. Tried to accuse me to God. Now, therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. This was his, this was his answer because he says, no such things are, as you say, are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and will not be done. Now, therefore, God, strengthen our hands. Afterward, it came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, and it goes on all these things. Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let's, let's, okay, we'll meet at church. And let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. Everybody say another threat. Final threat, you're going to die. You'll die. You will die. That's the final threat, death. And at that night, they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee, for who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid. Everybody say afraid. And act that way and sin. What happens when somebody sins? Everything is stopped. Everybody say fear is sin. So what he was trying to do was make him fearful And then he would sin, and then he would leave with the project not being what it was supposed to be. But he didn't do it. My God, this was his answer. And then it goes on and says, sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report to say something bad about him, that they might reproach me. But my God, remember Tobias Sambai, according to these, according to these, their works, and the prophetess, or the, yeah, the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. Goes on to say, so the wall was finished in, on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Everybody say 52 days. God can do an amazing work if you stay true to what God says. 52 days is all it took because Nehemiah never backed down. And then it says, and it happened, the end result. Everybody say the end result. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Everybody say, he always gets the glory. Always gets the glory. Three things I want to leave you with and, and it really comes out of uh, James chapter three. Um, this is, you need to make sure you know the wisdom of God. There are two kinds of wisdom, demonic wisdom and godly wisdom. And demonic wisdom always plays with the flesh. It says in that scripture, if there's envy and self-seeking, then there will be every evil work and there will be confusion. Everybody say confusion. And, and that's a sure sign if there's confusion that the wisdom you're hearing is demonic and not from God. God's wisdom is clear. Now, it doesn't mean that you might have a question as whether it is God or not, but it doesn't bring confusion. In confusion, you can never make a sound decision because you cannot hear the voice of God if you're confused. I'm just telling you, if you're confused. And so what God gave me were three things. Number one, the word of God, Hebrews. Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It says, if you would put that up for me, Donna, uh, for the word that God speaks, this is the Amplified, is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is your soulish realm, and the immortal spirit. 
and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing, sifting, analyzing, and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Everybody say this. I need to know the word. You cannot call an audible if you don't know the word. John uh, 16, 13. If you would put that one up in the Amplified for me, Donna, as well. It talks about the Holy Spirit and his role. For when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth. Everybody say, I need to know the truth. Even judges say, when you have to swear in, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help me, God. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever, or will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him. How many of you think the, that the Lord knows what the enemy's doing? How many of you think he can call an audible really well? How many of you think you need to know what the audible is? You need to know. And it says, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. A lot of things that are happening right now in the church are under, underneath what's really going on. Same as in the world. What we see, what we read in the newspapers, what we see on television, uh, oftentimes what we hear, we see in the church, you know, we've got lifestyles preaching from pulpits that are not what the word of God says. We've got things going on. We've got the church threatened that you can't say these things. You have to be politically correct in a church setting. Listen, they got in my business. I'll get in theirs. That's the truth. They interfered in our business. They're taking the word of God and they're saying it is of none effect. We can speak. We can say what is truth. Those spirits are going through the earth right now, and gross darkness is in the earth, even as we're standing here today. So now God is calling us as the church to be in a position where we begin to know how to call that audible. Call that audible right on the spot, not after we go home and pray about it forever. And the reason we're in trouble is this scripture, James 1, 22. And it applies to the church as well as it applies to the world. And it's called reasoning. Everybody say reasoning. Be ye doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves. See, oftentimes we think that the enemy is the one that's causing us the problem when it's really what we're thinking. And everybody say that's reasoning. If it isn't in the word, it's not truth. And so we have to make a decision that the truth will be our final authority. Betraying yourselves into deception, everybody say, into deception, by reasoning contrary to the truth. Do you see the capital T? We just saw that over there in John, 6, in John 16, 13. The truth, the only one who knows the truth is God himself. I cannot tell you the number of times in, in prayer with Sue and Chris in the morning when we're praying about things. And, uh, you know, we pray, and then sometimes we just pray in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we just worship. Everybody say worship. I want to tell you, if you want to hear from God, worship. And you will hear God very clearly in the worship. I mean, you may not even be thinking on something, but he will drop something into your heart, and you'll hear it. And, uh, and, and we'll be praying, and God will say something, and it'll be like, what? But it's God. Everybody say it's God. Because you know what? From heaven... From my heart to the heaven, I'm telling you, it works the other way too. We have keys, it says, 
in Matthew 16, keys to bind and loose. And what we bind is what's bound in heaven. We can't bind anything here that is not bound in heaven, and we can't loose anything here that's not been loosed in heaven. But heaven knows about us. Heaven knows what's going on. And God speaks, and he speaks through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can know what to do in the hour that we need it. We will have power to do it. Amen? We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.